Welcome to Muffly Auto, a Harry Potter podcast where we fill your ears to prevent you from hearing nearby conversations. I'm Josh. And I'm Blake, and it's time to put our names forward as we look at Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, the movie. So Josh, to kick this off, I want to start with, as you as you look towards seeing a movie, the first opportunity you have at watching a movie is the trailer. And I would have to say that trailers have come a long way since uh, <laughs> since Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Now, we're going to get into the positioning of where Goblet of Fire sits in our movie rankings of all the movies uh, in the Harry Potter uh, series. But I-, I just wanted to draw attention to the trailer. If you have not watched the trailer, dear listener, please go and see the trailer um, that, uh, that was essentially, you know, the marketing for this. And I just say, like, I would love to see a modern, you know, I don't know what they're called, a trailerist or, you know, someone who actually, you know, does trailers for these big Hollywood films. Um, I would love to see them redo the Harry Potter and Goblet of Fire trailer uh, because I feel like there is so much kind of epicness in that movie and and the trailer is is just quite weak. Now, I definitely realize it was a different time, different season, and uh, and uh, maybe, you know, aiming for a certain age group. So it's definitely a bit more fun and playful and magical. Um, but uh, that movie does, it's, it's, it's you know, it's, it, it's a bit dark. And uh, and so it's quite interesting how they framed it in the trailer. Um, but uh, coming into kind of, I guess, when we, uh, where we are coming into, I guess, where we rank our movies, Josh, this is like your number one film. You absolutely love it, eh? Uh, not quite, Blake, not quite. Uh, if <laughs> listeners have been with us for a while, you'll know that this is my uh, least favorite movie of, of the Harry Potter uh, series. Ouch. I said to Blake, as we as we started off, re-watching this movie has made me remember how much I do not like this movie. And, and you, you know, Blake, to put a positive spin on it, put a positive spin on it. I am just so excited for the day when Netflix or Disney Plus or someone swoops in and buys the rights to make a mini series for each book that is going to be so good and i am not going to lose one bit of sleep over this movie being um, supplanted (laughs) Uh, i know for some people once once there's a like a a canonized movie version of a book uh, it's really hard to replace Uh, that will not Mm. be an issue for me especially when it comes to this book this movie in this book yeah yeah the uh, the goblet of fire when i was watching through the trailer I was just thinking how amazing this would be as a series. Um, Mm. How amazing, because we get the introduction of so many new magical and amazing things from, and and I'm especially thinking of, you know, uh, Beaubasson and Durmstrang, the schools, we get so many potential interesting new characters. And I think that the uh, this t- like the sort of a TV series would be able to uh, play a bit more into that and give a little bit more time into the uniqueness of each of these schools. Um, I just think it would be so uh, yeah cool to have a little bit more of a longer form movie so that we're not cutting some of the you know the great parts, some of the cool characters. Sorry, um, sorry, Blake. Blake, did they cut things from this? <laughs> book to movie i'm i'm confused i i didn't i didn't even realize that the that the movie was based on the book just about (laughs) oh man they uh they definitely omitted their fair share of things or sort of uh rejigged a few things um but you know what they did do is instead of following the plot of the book they said you know who we can give more time to is barty crouch jr to ruin the surprise yeah 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 we definitely uh we definitely i I think they, I think they kind of played it a bit wrong, uh, and I'm, I'm sure you would uh, agree with me in that that um, that they definitely kind of, I don't know, I would, I would have redone, re, redone it in in different ways. I feel like when it comes to mm. the movie, I mean, I, I put it in the sixth position um, as my sort of sixth favorite. The only things lower than it um, were Philosopher's Stone for me and Chamber of Secrets. And I think we've discussed multiple times about, you know, because Philosopher's Stone is your top uh, movie at the at the time of, of our recording of that episode. And whilst I agree it's a great book to to film, it's just, you know, part of the the other things, the visual effects and the movie as a whole kind of sort of, you know, it's not my 
the the most fun one to watch and same with chamber mm. of secrets and so goblet of fire sits above this maybe because you know aside from those i still liked certain aspects of it as as the kind of the movie and the visual effects um but mm. overall it's not the strongest film um hence why it's so low uh at uh on my list as well as at the bottom of yours yeah yeah i mean it's a, it's a movie where certainly there are are bits and pieces, especially the the spectacle scenes, which I think they got they got right, and 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 they're definitely impressive to look at. Mm. Um, and 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 credit where credit is due, that a lot of those things still do hold up quite well. Um, yeah. To you know, to watch, but it's one of those things that, um, you know, at the end of the day, movies are fundamentally storytelling tools, and and mm. the story they tell in this movie is not a con- a compelling one, um, unfortunately, no, because they have such a great book to work with. Yes, and it feels a little bit segmented. I don't know, you know. When oh, you, definitely. When, oh, yes. Yeah. When, yes. when you were watching through it, it's it's almost feels a bit like, oh yeah, there's that plot, there's that plot, there's this story, there's this story, and it feel it kind of felt a little bit jarring uh, to mm, me, and mm. so that kind of you know it's sort of that throws you out of it especially for those that know the book um you know do you think josh if you did not had not read the book do you think you would um you know in your mind the movie itself you feel like hey this would be this would be like an all right film um Mm. better ranked than if you had read the book yeah, no, it's interesting. I think, I think one of the things that I would take away would be that um, I, I would be less disappointed, for obvious reasons, in the things that were missed because I wouldn't know them. Um, I think I would still feel like you know that there's. It seems like it is quite jumpy. I think that would still you know, rise to the surface. Yes. Um, but but I think that I would be very very happy with with how things were presented. I think someone could still very much. Um, you know, enjoy the the magical world and 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 some of the characters. I don't think you know. Um, I, I don't think all of the characters are um or come off the greatest in this movie. We'll talk about uh, old Michael Gambon later, but um, <laughs> but you know, uh, they could certainly fall in what? love with Ron Weasley after this movie. Yes. To, to be sure, uh, love love me some Rupert Grint. Um, but oh, yeah. yeah, I think I think it is it is definitely the comparison, and comparison is difficult, and um, it, it's just one of those things that. <sighs> While it is so difficult and you want to give them credit for that, at the end of the day, this literally was the one job, right? Like it like this this was mm. it. It's it's not as though, you know, they they were gonna make some kind of neutral um Triwizard tournament movie, and then all of a sudden they were like, or we could do an adaptation of the Goblet of Fire. Like this is what everybody signed up for. And so unfortunately, that is part of grading this movie and thinking about this movie. Now, now Blake, one of the things I heard um was that originally when the um, the team signed up, and especially Mike Newell, the director, um, signed up that there was talk about this being a two-part movie, and that was part of mm. the reason for his excitement. And unfortunately, whatever happened, however much hearsay that is, it did not happen. And just the the thought of this being a two uh, two-part movie would be so exciting. Yeah, that that could have worked a lot better, right? Um, I think not that uh, just a two-part movie resolves all the issues we just talked about, but it definitely gives an opportunity to make it less jumpy, to mm. make it less like you're um omitting like you know all these essential bits of information or helpful things that transition from one you know uh scene or one plot line to another. You know, like it, it some of those transitions have been taken out. Um, and so it feels a little bit like, you know, here's this important thing. And then now we're jumping over to this important thing mm. and this important thing. And you kind of just are like, whoa, 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 uh, the whole way through. And um, and that could be quite a lot. Uh, and so I think a two part movie would have actually been quite exciting. Um, but then how tempting would it have been then to be like, well, Order of the Phoenix, that's a ginormous book, two-part movie for that I, one. I think I think and, that would have been better. Yeah, I think that would have been better. And, I mean, and it sure, certainly would have been a cash cow. Yeah, it would have been a cash cow. Let's be honest. Um, I'm maybe maybe they were kicking themselves, being like, "Oh man, we really could have, you know, really, really could have uh, uh, milked that." But yeah, I I think that whether that would have been a bit too like sort of you know the the fatigue of making all those movies or, um, you know, the actors aging themselves out, um, for those two different parts and yeah, um, you know, yeah, that would interesting. Have, that would have pushed out that kind of they were trying to mm. aim for that one movie a year to keep up with the kids' yeah. growth. Although, um, although if we know anything about rom coms, is that twenty eight year olds regularly play eighteen year olds when it comes to <laughs> movies. 
Yeah, yeah, that's so true. I'm trying to think of um uh the the rom com or I don't know if it's just a comedy, but the Bend It Like Beckham um movie <laughs> with Channing Tatum. I, I feel like there was like some some crazy ages in that. Oh no, that's um, she's the man. I don't she's know. The, who, yeah. Oh, yes, that's she's the man. Yeah, there's she's the man as well. Anyway, so no, yeah, so I sorry, I, I you may be right. I I just I said Channing Tatum, who's in um she's the man, not. Bend it like Beckham. Good movie yeah. as well, though. Let's yeah. let's be yeah. honest. Another uh, yeah. another soccer movie. <laughs> um, all right, so oh, let's, let's let's just uh, take a step back and look at this movie uh, from when it was actually made. So um, the principal photography uh, began in early two thousand and four. So that's when they started to uh, you know do all the shots and 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 film. Uh, but it actually you know being premiered worldwide um, on the eighteenth of November. There was I think an earlier release potentially over in uh england um but uh yeah 18th of november 2005 that's a long time ago you know we're, we're coming up on th- that being a 20 years old you know like i know it's you know we're a couple of years away or whatever from, from that but like 20 years old like that's you know and and you mentioned it briefly josh and we'll mention it further down when we talk about visual effects but I think this film with those things in mind holds up really well. Um, that's, that's why, you know, like I'm, that's one of the things I'm just really impressed by, um, you know, when we drastically uh, see the troll in that first movie and you, you just, Oh, you know, it's, it's, it's so hideous. Um, but uh, you know, to see the dragon, to see the underwater scenes, uh, you know, there's a lot of, of really great stuff in there that we'll talk about, but yeah. So essentially released mm. in 2005, and, and that's, man, that's a long time. Man, did they, they sure did milk that dragon scene. <laughs> and we will talk about that. Um, so- oh, man. I, I, wish I, I wish I had a stopwatch on when that scene came on the first time. Because I was just like, for all that they had to cut out, did we really need that long of the dragon scene? Again, first to admit, yeah. super impressive. But maybe some of the you know flight away from the stadium, which wasn't in the book, maybe could have been like in a bonus feature um yes, just yeah. just wondering just wondering just wondering just wondering yeah. well let's uh let's have a look at some of the new members the new cast members that join uh the harry potter series in this movie um we have at least around six or seven uh ones that i've sort of want to specifically mention um and feel free to jump in i'll, I'll list them out and then josh if you're thinking of any others that I'm missing, feel free to uh, to to let us know. But first up, Lord Voldemort is now being cast. You know, he's got his body back. And we have uh, Ray Fiennes, uh, who does a fantastic job. Uh, more on that. But uh, Brendan Gleeson, who plays Alistair uh, Moody. David Tennant, who's Barty Crouch Jr. Robert Pattinson, Cedric Diggory. Uh, Katie uh, Luang, uh, Cho, who plays Cho Chang. Uh, and then, uh, hopefully I get this uh, right, uh, Stanislav Yanevsky, uh, who plays Victor Crumb. And then uh, Clemence Poisy, or you probably know your French a little better than me, Josh. Uh, so how would you pronounce uh, Fleur Delacour's name? Well, uh, so so the, the E has has the accent on it, so I believe it would be like uh, Clemence uh, Poisy. Uh, poesy. I'm, I'm not. Clear. I don't, I... Well, I mean, hey, let's be honest. This is this just worse yeah. listening. So you know, <laughs> it's it's okay. Um, any others uh, from that that we that we see? I know we will have other. You know, there'll be other new actors uh, on board uh, that we that we see. But those are kind of the main ones from mm. what I uh, what I think. Um, now, casting wise, do you think they did a good job with those uh, new people? Do you feel like they they you know hit the nail on the head, or were there some yes. things that yeah. kind of missed? Yeah, well, it's interesting. So, so you look at. I'll start with a few characters who I think it probably wasn't wasn't their own fault. They probably could have used some some directing, or perhaps the script was was heavily reduced. Let's start off with Victor Crumb and um, Fleur Delacour. Um, not a whole lot of opportunities to really get to know them as characters, unfortunately. Okay, no. probably not something that we're going to talk about more in this episode um, as far as characters who were kind of on screen but not really prominent features. So so that's a bit too bad. Um, so I, I think they did a fine job, but yeah, who, who knows? Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I, I thought they I thought they were the weakest of uh, you know the new lot, and I don't think it's fear mm. on on them as actors. I think they just didn't have a lot of opportunity to to sort of develop uh, their yeah. their characters. Um, they were sort of set at the uh, as almost like these idolized or like pinnacle sort of hey these are you know this is the Durmstrang character and this is uh mm. the you know the Beaubaton character and we don't really get to know them and you don't need to yeah. apart from knowing that this is the champion from this school and that's the champion from this school and uh, oh this guy's really good at Quidditch and he's famous and we omitted that whole Quidditch match and now the movie sucks for it anyway um well so- yeah no but, but yeah so, so, so it's one of the things on that though Blake is 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 the way that these two characters are pre- are, are presented is they're kind of like the the epitome or, or the the concentrated version of all that their school gets boiled down to. So yeah. so like the Durmstrang students are are all like completely masculine and and like bang sticks when they walk in and and very brutish. Where, where in the book Victor is is a really smart guy, um, and and he's you know he's gentle and he's kind and he's interested in Hermione, all these different things. Anyway, um, that's kind of just taken away, and he's like this ogre uh, or half like troll guy. Um, and and yes. Fleur similarly is is flattened down to just being the the one who's part vila and and which is kind of now all of a sudden all of bobaton seems like kind of vila ish slash all female yeah. it's yeah um so again can't fault the casting decisions but unfortunately our our other um other champions um really do uh kind of falter there especially i think props to robert pattinson in a pretty small role he really shines he he steals oh, yeah. a lot of scenes that he's in yeah, he definitely does. And um he obviously has more sort of on screen time, more mm. more lines than you know the yeah. other champions. Um, but he really does, like you just said, sort of steals the scene, um, you know, from his uh sort of kind of I don't know fun sort of look uh kind of carefree mm. sort of nature happy his smile you know like he just there's just a very uh kind of i don't know they just did the character really well, well and he played uh, yeah, it really I, well I, I think i know what it is blake it's that he's the only one in this film who got a haircut within six months of filming this this is the film of long hair isn't it josh oh it's so uh, bad it's so it bad is, it is so bad. I I do. I I wonder whose decision that was to be like. I mm. think it has to have been the the year and oh, yeah. style yeah. for guys that year. Surely, right? Mm. Like long, well, yeah, long hair was uh, definitely in for dudes. But but it's one of those things. Like you you talk about just how different the last three films feel once Harry especially gets a haircut. It just looks so much better. Oh my goodness. It's who knew yeah. that getting a haircut would make your film <laughs> ten times better. Uh, but that's all it oh, takes. Man. Uh, that's all yeah, it takes. You you especially notice it with the Weasleys. Um, you know, Ron, oh, yes. and then the Weasley twins, the twins. Like just oh, the twins, man. especially because they're so symmetrical or like mat- matchy yeah. matchy, and it just you've got to be like, oh man, come on, like that's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, uh, we definitely see it's, that it's, that is the yeah. of the film. It's it's kind of interesting that the the hairstyles date the film more than the special effects. Oh, you know? that is a great observation. Yes, the hair. The hair dates the, the, yes, that's so great because like, I think the visual effects, like, you know, I'm trying to think of a bad bit of visual effects in it, but I, I think it's pretty solid, but it's the, it's the hair. Um, you know, we can get away with the wardrobe side of things because we know that it's sort mm. of set a little bit it's of a time uniform. ago. It's all and good. It's a uniform yeah. and it's like, you know, their free clothes are like, Hey, they're, they're witches and wizards. So they, you know, they don't all know the best trends and styles of muggle attire. So we we let them get away with that and that's totally fine but it's their hair um that is the that is the problem because it just changes so drastically from the previous films to this one um like it was like hey this is an intentional thing that we're doing uh and so yeah definitely the hair is a big one josh so great observation there uh, so so those are um, the the champions we kind of just ran through those quickly um but but back to those uh, additional new yes. actors um I'd, I'd also put barney crouch jr i'm gonna say some negative things about him later um but but i think that david uh-huh. tennant was was a fine choice um 
and and maybe just could have used a little bit more help from the the screenwriters and the the director. So we'll put him in the just fine category. We talked about Cedric Diggory fine, being Josh, above. Fine, no, <laughs> I know. Oh, I, I, yeah, I think, I think he's, I think he's good, even maybe. But there's just you know, some choices that maybe were his, maybe weren't his. Were uh, yes. yeah, you know, it's often t- it's that tough is the look. case. Tough you know, look. we we yeah. can't we can't blame actors always. Often it it is yeah. based on direction of the film and and mm. certain certain choices made by other people, which can yeah. be hard. It must or, be very hard you know, as an actor. Or or maybe he was just like, you know what? I've got a grand total of seven minutes of screen time. I'm going to shoot my shot and overact <laughs> the heck out of this. It is there is a there is a bit of overacting, and I think my love for David Tennant probably more comes from my love for Doctor Who, and that's where I've given him the benefit of the doubt. Um, (laughs) And uh, uh, I do think he plays a good Barty Crouch Junior. But yes, there there probably is a level of like he's thinking, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna send this, I'm gonna go a hundred percent and uh, really crank it up. Uh, for for Cho Chang, Blank, I don't know about you, I loved the Scottish accent. Um, I mm. definitely did not have the Cho Chang in my head when I was reading the books in a Scottish accent, and so this was just fantastic. No, and she did a really good job um, from the the few moments that she shares, especially with Harry. Um, mm. I, I did feel like that was a sort of a genuine kind of connection type thing that she had from that playful of like, hey, this is Harry's kind of first love interest and yes. the kind of dynamics around that. Like I thought they did... Um, I, I did a, a great job. Even like the, the the Harry side of things, you know, might be a little bit less. But like you know, the the water that he kind of spills out, and then her, 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 uh, Cho Chang's like friends kind of <laughs> laugh. But she's like, "Hey, stop it!" You know, like just there's some genuine things that you go, "Oh, okay, that's really believable." Um, and uh, I always crack up when I hear the um, the uh, do you do you want to go to the ball with me? Um, and, uh, you know, Harry asking uh, Cho out to the ball and, uh, you know, the birds are, are chirping and she doesn't quite hear it. And she's like, oh, you know, so- sorry, what what was that? And it's just uh, <laughs> like, I feel like it's that's a little awkward, more from the Harry point of view. But yes. um, I thought she did a phenomenal job. Like, I, I you know, mm. and, and later on in the series as well, uh, we'll uh, we, we obviously see Cho Chang come come back. And um, but this is sort of that first appearance. And um, she does a great job. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I'm very impressed with her. Um, on that very good to great level, I'd also put Brendan Gleeson. Um, really liked mm. his version of Mad Eye Moody. Um, thought he did a great job. And then, really, Blake, the one they could oh. not mess up and they nailed uh, Lord Voldemort. Just they had to get this right, and they did. And that's they, that's almost all that matters, you know. They did. They did. I would I would probably put this up. Um, you know, looking at the the series as a whole. I would probably put this up as probably one of the best casting choices. Um, mm, you know, yeah, I, yeah I, agreed. Th- there would have been other people that could have played Harry. I know that there's the the whole like, oh, nobody else could have been Harry. He's the <laughs> only one that could play Harry. Um, and like, oh, Hermione's perfect. Yes, yes. I I think they they you know they they were great, good choices. Mm. Um, but overall, you know, coming more from not a child actor, which yes, that's a, a hard you know decision to pick chi- uh, children that have to grow up with these movies. But to pick someone as experienced and just so skilled as uh, as as mm. Ralph Fiennes, I just I thought they nailed that, and yeah. he just does such a great job. Looking at some of the behind the scenes, especially you know that that graveyard scene where he's interacting with Harry, he he he's like almost not like method acting but he's just really getting into it and he's going and thinking like okay Voldemort would would do this he'd he'd bring his hand up and he'd he'd sort of like you know he he almost channels what it is to be a snake and a living Mm. person you know and it just works it is so Mm. so good so just phenomenal choice there and um and just the makeup and everything and it just does yeah yes I was gonna I was gonna comment on that as well but yeah the makeup is just I was like for those of if just in case anybody was like me and i'm gonna assume i'm definitely in the minority uh, but if you had not seen ralph um finds in a lot of other movies um you would not know that he is especially was at this point still uh, a very very handsome actor mm, um yep and <laughs> the movie he just looks like lord voldemort and it's so impressive i it's i think so i saw good. him in a in a romantic comedy one time um with, with with hannah when we were watching and i was like that's lord voldemort and i and she's like yeah it's, it's you know she said yeah that's 
Ralph Fiennes. And, and I was just like, Ralph I don't think I've ever seen him in anything else. Kedavra. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, um, and again, I'm sure I'm very much in the minority. He's a very accomplished actor, but I'm not one to always go back and, and, and see a lot of, a lot of films and um, mm. just so well done. Like I, yeah. like the makeup is, is excellent as well. Um, he just, he looks like a snake. It's great. Yeah. He he does so so the makeup is phenomenal and and we'll uh, we'll talk a little bit about that we'll cover a, a bit of that later when we're looking at um uh, practical and uh, uh and then uh, visual effects and uh, but just I think casting wise I think that that has to be uh, the best choice uh, mm. that they have have made um and uh, hey listeners you can fight me on that I don't know you can maybe some of you might be like hey the new Dumbledore. Uh, is the best choice because really he shines in this film uh, and I know that you know that is a contributing factor Josh to why you loved this film so mm. much you know his interpretation of that trophy room scene but maybe let's take a, a another look uh, at kind of overall the film um, we've mentioned his name but the director of this being Mike Newell um, very playful very friendly um, and works really great with um the the younger actors on uh, mm. on this um on this movie so looking at uh, behind the scenes footage and interviews with some of the cast he just has such a really lovely uh, attitude towards young actors and what they need and the encouragement the challenges that he you know poses to them and um really makes them better actors i think and gets them involved showing them you know the behind the scenes the camera the 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 you know all the setup and stuff like that getting them as part of it uh and so he does a great job he i shared this when we got to this chapter but when the scene where the weasleys are fighting on the ground um he he actually to to really show what he meant he got down on the ground with one of the the you know the weasleys and uh and actually started wrestling him and jostling him around and then actually uh, injured himself um and i think it might have been a, <laughs> it might have been a, a rib or something like that but actually injured himself by rolling around on the ground trying to show them how to like get into it and uh, and so it, you know he, i feel like he um he probably would have been a really great on uh, scene director like actually being there with him and and having him help you uh sort of in the in the different scenes um overall director it's hard to say like oh if you chose a different director would the movie be any better because you know screenwriter steve cloves obviously it comes down to him to make some of these big decisions of cutting things we have the producer david hayman um yeah it's it's hard to say yeah and i think for someone like me i just don't know the world well enough to know what alternatives were there and, yeah, and yeah. make an educated comment so and, um, yeah. you know I, like yeah I, it, it is interesting I, I i um I, th I think it is interesting to to have a bit of a what if if uh oh, if the director yeah. especially stayed stayed the same just throughout the series one way or the other um i think that it could have been a, an interesting you know thought experiment uh because mm. they do change is it is it four four total directors blake or, or even five um yeah it's, it's, it's quite, a number it's quite a few they definitely changed it as yeah. it went along and and i feel like that was a good decision i i feel like to, to rather than to have the same one i feel like it did bring some unique things unfortunately there's that downside of sometimes a film stands out alone for being a bit of mm. like a oh wow okay that's a bit different um because of a way that a director might have handled things but yeah it would have been interesting to see you know um each director's films if they had done the whole series uh but josh what did you think of the music what did you think of the uh, the sound design and and you know I'm um, just speaking obviously before we talk about Patrick you know Doyle the composer what did you think about the uh, the music in this film yeah no I th I think it was I think it was um was good I think a couple scenes that that sound stand out um and you know this is yeah it's, it's one of those things that is is maybe not surprising that you know, a scene that I really like I also like multiple parts within it but i think the the music and and the overall atmosphere during the 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 dragon scene the the hungarian horntail yep. uh, was yep. was very very good um the 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 music i don't know how involved um he would have been i'm sure he was very involved with with the whole uh yule ball i thought that was also quite a, a neat scene yes. and then you yeah. know just and, and then on top of that we, we have just kind of general ambiance um in, in the graveyard um that was also very well done but but general ambiance just just well done and yeah and, overall, uh, overall for the the movie yeah. being so like low on my list um the mm. the music is a saving grace for the film i think like i mm. really enjoyed uh the overall score 
and uh, appreciate the uh, the starting moments of the film and how it sets the tone uh, for what is to come. And then it mm. goes all the way to like, you know, even liking the general like uh, marching band type stuff in the third task, you know, which is a bit. Yeah. Different. Yeah. That's an interesting touch it, too. And then yeah. it all, all cuts and, you know, when something goes wrong and it's like, you know, as these instruments kind of stop because yeah. oh, no, it's yeah. dead. And then, you know, we, we get that lovely famous line my boy you know anyway um uh, no need to shed tears so uh i love patrick i thought he did a great job um production and, and just one oh yeah go for one it. more thing there blake is the uh the music as well at the quidditch world cup um was mm. was very good as well yes. such a great atmosphere it, the event really felt big and, and that was that was well done if only there was more of it eh, josh if only there was some more of well of the uh <sighs> I, yeah, that I, would be uh, that would be a thing. I understand why they they cut that part, mind you, but um, and I I would actually agree with that decision to cut it. Yes, I just yes. if it was a if it was a double part, like two parter, it's yeah. just that I love seeing Quidditch and to see the visual effects of the dragon and the flying scene of Harry being chased around. I think they could have just done such a spectacular job at a new Quidditch scene and a and a World Cup match and all these kind of cool pro players. Mm. I thought that would, that's more just me just wanting to re, you know be more in that wizarding world. Um, and so yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's I it's one of those things. So um, it, interestingly enough, uh, Bobaton and and Durmstrang um, enter in in my edition of Harry Potter on on page one hundred and ninety two, um, and so we probably have like a grand total of 25 to 30 pages of those first 190. Um, and, and we do get some Quidditch world cup. We get a big long tent scene. Um, not sure if we needed that, if we could have gotten maybe more Quidditch there, but it's one of those things you always got to have, you know, you always have to be able to suggest something to cut when you want to um, make something longer. Right. And, yes. um, and so that, that does get tricky. Yeah, it definitely does. Speaking of the tent scene, um, as well as many of the other scenes, uh, just a special mention to Stuart Craig, uh, who was the production designer. It did a fantastic, uh, fantastic job. Uh, um, and one of the accolades that the the film received uh, won the BAFTA Award for Best Production Design. Um, and so uh, making it uh, the first Harry Potter film to win at the BAFTAs. So production design mm. for this one, um, I do agree. It was, it was really nice. Um, and I always love that little bit of magic of... Um, the, the tent being uh, uh, bigger on the inside. And it's uh, not lost to me that uh, David Tennant uh, is uh, also part of that uh, end scene. And, and, you know, now, being now I have a, I have a question there. Yes. All right. I have go. a question there. Is it not this tent that they're supposed to take camping? What do you mean? They're supposed to take camping like in the, in the seventh book? Yes. Oh, good question. Do they borrow the same? Um, Cause I who, thought who they, they did. Yeah, I wonder if they borrow it from the same yeah. person. I thought they did. And it just is a very different look in the seventh yes. book as far as how big it is and all those things. And I think it is supposed to be the same tent, uh, which is just interesting. So, Josh, the major differences for this film, we've talked about some of them, but let's deal with first the uh, differences when it comes to interpretation. So how you see a scene that uh, is in the book and how we change it. And I want to pass this first uh, decision, this first interpretation over to you, uh, because uh, now I'm pretty passionate about it as well, but I I think Mm. you might be more so than me. Uh, So uh, what is it? Yeah, Blake, I... (laughs) I think to use the word interpretation is an insult to that word um, because if Gambon interprets, then lying is interpretation. I don't know. Um, no, Michael Gambon's Dumbledore is, is not my favorite thing to say the least. Um, mm. Everybody knows or everybody who's seen the movie and, and has um, read the book knows how different uh, the moment is when Harry puts his name in the Goblet of Fire um Dumbledore says how do you get to work at Golden Fire um and and yet Blake we will talk about that moment but I think that that moment is um symptomatic of of Gambon's Dumbledore as a whole in this movie I think it I think it does get a little bit better but I want to I want to pull some things up like that that I think are um are are a bigger root cause if if you'll allow me so any any thoughts on on the uh 
on the on the main instance here uh, Dumbledore just about putting Harry in a in an arm bar across his neck uh while he's uh in great Harry master again. right there oh man the the way that that shows it's so aggressive compared to mm. what the book obviously describes uh, i believe it's uh, the word yeah. calmly um, calmly is used yeah that's yeah. it's called an adverb for our, our listeners um gambon didn't know about adverbs apparently um, no 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 i don't i don't think you've read the book uh, <laughs> i no. think he might have and, and it, honestly it shows it shows <laughs> like how how can you compare Ralph finds to Michael Gambon oh. as far as oh it's just yeah it it makes it makes him look a uh, uh, quite pathetic compared to uh, Ralph mm. Fiennes so that's uh, I would say yeah this scene really highlights um uh almost uh brings your attention to the problem um you know there are other little things here and there but but this really really just goes what like that yeah. just seems like such like it could be in such an easy scene to get some connection between um you know uh, uh Harry and Dumbledore that's going to then be sort of uh sort of replicated or shown again in the half blood mm. print when they're when they're one on one in the office dealing talking about Voldemort you know he could have pulled him aside you know and and actually just said Harry did you do this you know like to convey yeah. like this is so serious like you know it's like that. It's like when you're you you were scolded, um, you know, by a teacher or, or father, like you know, being you know yelled at or told off. It's like okay, that's one mm. thing. But man, when your father looks at you and says, "I am disappointed" or mm. something like that, you're just like the world is crumbling. And it's almost like that. Like <laughs> they could have used, you yeah. know, he could have channeled that instead and said, "Harry, this is like you know, this is." really important like you know did you put your name in the goblet of fire you know because it's just such a, a a great scene for that connection that relationship but instead mm. all of a sudden and, and that know, trust right you know he he comes full throttle at harry and uh mm. and oh, yeah. Yeah, very abusive in a way he, this yeah. is a headmaster yeah. of it's it's school. physical physical it's yeah. very physical yeah yeah Oof. and um so so like one of the things that i think you really see in this movie is that that Michael Gambon's Dumbledore is just out of control? Like mm. he he's a bit unhinged. Um, like I, and I I don't mean like out of control in the sense that you know he is um constantly doing what we see in this um scene here, but I mean that he, Dumbledore in the books has such a high degree of control over his emotions mm. and his actions yes. and is like almost defined as being the most calculating and chess-like um, yep. uh, character of the book, right? He's always playing chess yeah. when everybody else is playing checkers. This, yeah. <laughs> this Dumbledore, you can tell exactly how he's feeling at all times. And he's just, he's out of control. He is out of control several times. Um, I think he's out of control at the end of the movie when he gives, um, and again, Script writers aren't faultier too, but where he gives a pretty terrible speech about Cedric. Um, I don't know what he was doing, but when I watched it again today, he was like slouching over in his chair while he started speaking. Um, like, like what is going on? He's just he's just a loose cannon, this 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 Dumbledore. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just it's so weird. Like he's just not even professional. He's he's like lounging in his chair when he starts speaking. And and yeah, it's just not a good look. The the fact that they had to remove Ludo Bagman, and we'll talk about that later. But it also just makes him out of control the number of times he shouts. Book Dumbledore, yeah. I could be correct on this. I don't know if he shouts ever. Um yeah. and 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 this Dumbledore is constantly shouting, silence. Um and, and one of the things about um Book Dumbledore is that he I'm just gonna say real Dumbledore because Gambon's Dumbledore is not my Dumbledore. Oh. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> um Richard Harris for life. Um he was just too old. Um no, um is <laughs> so so one of the things that is just so 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 rough with, with this um portrayal is is the fact that by by being so demonstrative and by having his emotions kind of constantly at the top, um, I, I think the level of staff and then the level of students, their respect for him just drops. And it's not even like they're doing anything consciously, but 
if Dumbledore has to shout, he doesn't have the commanding presence that the books tell us that he does. No. Um, it's it's like it's like the difference when Dolores Umbridge gives her speech versus when Dumbledore speaks. Right mm. when Dumbledore speaks, everybody is eyes glued on him. Even yeah. the naughtiest of the Slytherins. Yeah, they house, know Dumbledore you know, is like ridiculously they know Dumbledore. powerful. Yeah. Like it's just yeah. he he's and, got that ability. Yeah, and when you're that powerful, you don't have to go around shouting silence Ooh. and putting a 13-year-old in an arm bar. Um <laughs> you're able to have no. this kind of presence around you. Uh and and yeah. and so that's that's what I mean. Is 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 if you watch if if you've watched the Harry, did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire scene? Go back and watch the rest of the movie and say to yourself, how often is Michael Gambon either out of control or like close to being out of control? And it's more than you'd think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And before before we move on from it, I do just want to reiterate what you said there about this, the difference in the, the, the Dumbledores being uh, all around self-control. You know, Dumbledore is a character that you know one of his sort of foundational things is his self-control he's the guy that gave up on the hellos you know he he kind of knows his limit he mm. he said no to the uh, uh said no to being the minister of magic you know the power that comes with that mm. position you know he said no he has that control and that's that's i think evident all throughout the books and so that's why it's so jarring you know and one of the 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 attributing factors to why this movie feels probably quite jarring is that role of him playing Dumbledore. Now, now I'm going to ask this question later on, and I'm, I'm curious what you'll say then. Mm. Um, but, but I think it's important to remember that, you know, this, the, the script at this point is correct, right? Steve Close copied a line from the book, essentially. Um, therefore, it is an interaction between the director and, and Michael Gambon. Yeah. So my question for you is, did Michael Gambon's first and second takes perhaps go even more over the top and then Michael Newell was like, you know what, Michael, let's just dial it back one or two notches. Or did it start off normal? And then Mike Newell's like, go again, but let's see a little more passion and anger there. Because so, I, I think that in the first in the first take, uh being yeah. maybe the more over the top scene, Dumbledore quickly gets up on one of the trophy cases uh like the corner of a wrestling <laughs> ring uh the theme comes back on and it's like Dumbledore and then he just straight pile drives Harry oh, down uh, so that's I, I I also agree I also agree I think this and this might be my own prejudice but I think it's a Gambon issue and Mike Newell was like guys I tried that was the most tame version um <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, I would have just been like, let's, oh, let's cut that scene. Let's cut that scene. Uh, but that is, that is very good. Um, so a couple of these interpretations that um, are definitely not, I feel like, as intense as that one. But you know, Bo Baton being an all girl school um, in the film, uh, and Durmstrang being an all boys school uh, in the film, uh, definitely uh, different to what we see in the books. Being um, obviously uh, both schools, uh, male and female, and um, uh, as we know, because uh, Bo Baton, uh, one of the most famous alumni, is actually Nicholas Flamel. Um, Did not know that. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, uh, fun fact for you there. But yeah, I, I didn't actually mind that in the in this film. Um, I thought I thought that contrast was actually kind of nice. Kept things simple. Um, I, I because the uniforms were so separate. To be honest, I I actually don't think it would have mattered too much um, if they you know uh, if they represented it like the books um, uh, because the uniforms were so drastically different. You would be able to tell who's from mm. what school. Um, but then again, I'm not against this decision. Um, and so that. That was all goods. Um, I, I didn't mind that. Um, and then uh, one of the one of the ones that we have, have already kind of alluded to is this first task and how the Hungarian uh, Hungarian horntail breaks free of the chains, chases you know Harry round the the castle and all of that. And and whereas the book is just stays in the enclosure, it's just that moment there. Now part of me thinks, hey they're thinking this is a great action scene um it's a great way to show off the castle visually um the visual mm. effects team spent so much time on the dragon they've they've got this epic 3d model of the dragon um they're like why not use it you know like why why not let's let's show this off and um i i thought they did a great job with that scene um i definitely 
I actually would have been more of a fan with them sticking more to the book and cutting that aspect of it uh, so they could actually feature more of potentially um, the the third task. Um, and, and yeah, the third task my, was bad. Yeah, yeah, that's just my opinion. I think I think we could have seen a bit more there. Now, now, mind you, if I was thinking of just visual interest scenes, obviously the the touring around the castle, flying on a dragon, and that chase scene is is very exciting and very cool and beautiful. Obviously, I wouldn't say, "Hey, let's spend you know half the movie in that dark, dank uh, maze." Um, you mm. know, I wouldn't want that. But just a little bit extra extra time for that third task to play around with the character, as well as maybe some of those challenges that Harry um, uh, encounters in the book, would have been probably you know uh, quite nice. So yeah, because because he he there. doesn't really face any challenges in the maze. No. No, um, it's kind of ignored um, completely, yeah. which, you know, there's there's pros and cons to, I know they had to cut certain things, but it would have been, it would have been really nice to see, you know, let's say the, um, the different, uh, the different like sphinx, the sphinx. Riddle, how could would the, um, the sphinx would have been amazing. That would have been quite cool. Or, um, or the mist that turns him upside down yet. It's, it's sort of a psychological trap, like a psychological bit of magic. Um, I, I always love that. So that could have been quite good. Um, or a little play more on the character between Cedric and Harry, um, to just yeah, maybe yeah. give a bit more time to that. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I didn't think they did a bad job of that moment. Um, to build to be like, hey, let's well, it, yeah, you know, but like it was, I, it was interesting because in the in the book, um, it's a much friendlier scene actually than the movie. In the, in the movie, mm. it, it gets quite competitive, which um, was a a difference. I wouldn't say it was an improvement, but I certainly didn't mind it. It it, it felt it felt in some ways more realistic, um, and yeah. and so I, I didn't have a problem with it. It, it was a different choice. Um, so, yeah. so we could call that maybe like for, for me, it'd be somewhere in between neutral and good um, as far as almost like an improvement. I, I wouldn't go quite that far, but yeah. one thing just yeah. on the dragon, Blake, is I think the real losers in the dragon situation are are the um, spectators because this was the only uh, task worth watching. And in the movie, the whole event took place away from the stadium. Uh, yeah, at least Harry's dragon anyway. Um, yeah that's you know, true yeah i guess they got oh, to see man. the other dragons but um you know i'd rather i'd rather be in the enclosure of the dragon watching harry fly off than than sitting watching a a hedge wall um for a while as they go throughout that third task but uh uh the second task harry gets gillyweed from neville rather than dobby that's just obviously an omission of, of dobby's character and maybe just as as a transition to what is admitted josh what do we see who are the characters we, well who are the characters we don't see well, let's start with Dobby because Dobby's probably the most significant character and Dobby doesn't play a huge role in Goblet of Fire. But mm. one of the things that's, that's so sad is that um, Dobby goes on a, uh, I think it's one, two, is it three, three movie hiatus, four movie hiatus, yeah, yeah. Um, which, which is, is awful because the, the person who only watches the movies remembers Dobby from Chamber of Secrets, sees him again in, in Deathly Hallows part two, no, end of part one, right? Mm. yeah very end of part one and and is supposed to feel all this emotion when he dies and and if you're yes, if you're reading the books yeah, yeah. dobby is so so present throughout and it, it makes so much sense why it's so tragic but yeah. but I, I really think like you know probably close to 10 years have passed from chamber of secrets to the the last movie that he's in and and the casual fan is just thinking yeah that was sad but who is this guy again yeah. um it seems almost like a, he looks funny right and if you don't have this emotional connection when a character looks funny you're like it, it almost seems funny and and so the the fact that they they couldn't find a way to to bring in dobby again he's he's a as a voice actor right it just takes a little bit of cgi not like you yep. need to book a crazy schedule for a super famous actor or actress mm. um yeah, I think I think losing him as a, a contiguous thread does lose something later on, but we'll talk about that later. Um, so you know, Dobby's gone. Um, Ludo Bagman, a really significant thing plot-wise for this movie. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He's um, he's out of it. Um, so it kind of takes away his line with uh, the twins and uh, mm. and that plot line of the gambling and uh kind of the debt and the chasing and the goblins and and all mm. of that and so we sort of lose out on that um and ludo bagman would have been a great uh sort of character yes. a little bit of, yes. of of color um into this film yeah. um especially with the commentating um with the sort of almost the uh the more ministerial type position with a 
flavor of Gilderoy Lockhart, you know, sort of thrown mm. in there um, because, uh, yeah, that would, I feel like they would have uh, made that work so well. So he would have been yeah, I'm really uh, curious about a that choice. character in the series. Yeah. Like, I think they still, I think they could have gotten rid of the plot of the gambling plot. Again, as sad as that might make me and still bring him in. I, I don't know. Yeah. It just, I, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they just were like, you know, we're adding all these different characters, but I don't think that would have been that hard. You, you dress him up in like Quidditch robes at the yeah. at the World Cup. You get Fudge out of there because you don't need him, and and then he's at yeah, and then he's at the um, Triwizard Tournament, and we all know who he is already. I don't know. It doesn't seem that hard to me. It seems like a very yeah. easy fix. Dumbledore's back in control a bit. He's not having to shout constantly. Multiple issues sorted. I don't know. Yeah. So so that's. Ludo Bagman and Dobby are my big ones that I just think that sucks that mm. they're not there. Now, you know, Winky is also a character that has been removed, yeah, but yeah. that makes that makes sense. You know, um, I definitely would have loved to seen Dobby and Ludo Bagman, though. Um, but it's hard when characters get admitted because, you know, in the mm. books, you do form certain attachments to them and go, oh, there's such yeah. a good you know, a, such a good character in this story. And then you want to see them on screen, but it doesn't happen. And that's, and that's rough. Um, obstacles in the third task. We, we mentioned them that the, the Sphinx riddle, the blast ended scroots, Bogarts, Acromantula, um, that golden mist, those things aren't in there. Not that all of them would have, you know, that should have been, but it would have been nice to see, you know, maybe those Harry go up against some of those challenges or see a little bit more of how, you know, uh, uh, Buddy Crouch Jr. as Mad-Eye Moody uh, was kind of getting rid of those obstacles um, in a way or helping him uh, along with some other ones. And uh, so, yeah, it would have been great to see that. And then the Quidditch World Cup match, which we've we've kind of already talked about, but and I understand why they cut it and why they got rid of it, uh, but it would have been so cool to see. Yeah, and the other thing, Blake, that was unfortunate was that there's just a lot that's confusing almost more so if you've read the book than if you just watched the movie um, because it's not exactly clear how um, how Barty Crouch Jr. gets Harry's wand, right? Like all of that is just really mm. oddly put together. And, That's a good and, point, yeah. And, the, and the, the Weasleys are supposed to have actually great seats. So, um, you know, the He's whole point that... of Marco saying like, yeah. how did you get these? It just doesn't make sense. It's a very odd choice. Yes, it was this sort of weird, like, oh, you're you're going up to the nosebleed section, like yeah. way up to yeah. the top, and it's like, wait, yeah. actually, I'm pretty sure in the books that's the good thing, and they're going into yeah. the box yeah. that's up the top, and they shear it, and yeah, it's, yeah. it's just a. I understand why. Okay, this was an easy choice if we're getting rid of all these other things and we're getting rid of they have access to the box. Hey, let's just make it a the Weasleys don't have much money and it's a snobbish thing for you know the Malfoys to kind of you know lord over them in that way of like we you know we have money you don't um and uh, mm. so i i understand the path they took but just the decision to go down that path i just would have loved to to not have it um uh, yeah. that way uh, which is rough oh yes and, and speaking of like i i i forgot to to mention earlier in the interpretation section before we got to omitted um mm. what was the the way in which and this would be a screenwriter, director, producer choice rather than an acting choice. Uh, but the way they interpreted and presented the whole Barty Crouch Jr. storyline um, definitely left some questions in my mind about whether that was the best way to do it. Um, you know, yeah. we, we see Barty Crouch in the very first scene. Um, and, and, you know, if, if you've if you looked at this movie as, you know, if, if you're going to the movie to watch it for the first time. Mm. And and you look up who the characters are playing, which is not hard to do, right? Like you look up and you're like, oh, David Tennant's playing uh, Barty Crouch Jr. You see him in the first scene and you're like, hang on a minute. Um, and, and I do think that that's really uh, something that betrays it. Then you have um, Brendan Gleeson doing the lick lips often enough that you're like, okay, I know what's happening here. Um, some pretty heavy handed mentions of Polyjuice Potion throughout. Yes. And yes. um yeah, it's it's. I feel like you watch this movie and you think they were really wanting us all to get it before the end. But that's the whole mm. point of this book is yes. that no one saw it coming. Um, I yeah. Oh. They should have. They should have kept it more as a suspense and a mystery, um, a little mm. bit longer, um, definitely. And you know, and 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 you know, looking through some of the stuff that we're talking about, interpretation and admitted, there's there's far more like many more things that we could mention um but we just wouldn't have the time because because so much of this stuff gets changed in this film mm. and and taken away 
and yeah. and that's what makes this film so so rough for the both of us um and uh, especially for you josh you know it's it's changed so much and there's Ooh. just some great things removed and you're kind of like questionable decisions made and you're like oh should you yeah well like yeah. yeah and i just think that it it, it fundamentally it is a different thing to omit dobby as sad as that might make me um <laughs> versus making a an active conscious decision to totally change the way the Barty Crouch Jr. plotline works. Um, yes, one yeah, of those yeah. has to happen when you take a 600-page book and turn it into a movie. Yeah, I'll be the first one to admit it. You have to make hard choices. You I don't to. know why you had to make the choice to almost completely like invert the fact that this was a surprise and make it more of a follow the bouncing ball throughout the movie type thing. Um, yeah, very strange. Not quite and, sure on and, that one. And probably the, the biggest omission that we feel so cheated by is that we don't get spew action you know no. uh and and so rough you know it's it's a it's a real hard thing to deal with but but it's just yeah. gone um yeah. no I'm, I'm not too fussed about that one that was a that was an easy decision to maybe uh to remove that aspect of things um rita skeeter as the uh animagus though yeah um, that, that yeah. was that's an, an, yeah. an interesting choice um to to remove yep. that uh that whole whole plot uh, uh line just that she she was just a reporter and that's it and yeah, wasn't yeah, really I think, played into that much. I think especially because Blake, <clears throat> the very few scenes where we did get her, she she popped. Like that is exactly how I imagined her in the books, yeah. right? Like it was I thought that was a great choice. The the makeup and the the costume were just perfect and and she kind of had this um the the perfect kind of swarminess down of <laughs> of a, a tabloid type reporter and and you just got this feeling, oh, I wish we had more of her. And um, and so that's unfortunate on, on the side uh, of that. Um, the, the kind of a major Hermione plot point is is missing as well. Hermione doesn't play a huge role other than like Victor's love interest in this film, where in the book <laughs> yeah. she has so many key, key jobs that she does. Um, and, and then as Rita goes... The other thing that goes is is the whole um, issue with Trelawney and divination. They don't appear, and so the connection between Voldemort and Harry isn't as strongly established in the movie either. So much, eh? So much. So much this is just different, yeah. which is, you know, does does make me appreciate the Philosopher's Stone so much more because it's so, uh, you know, accurate uh, to to the book, uh, and uh, and it's just rough seeing a book sort of chopped up like this, mm. uh, which is uh, which is really really rough. Um, well, quickly going through some important numbers, uh, just because I, you know, I love I love looking at this sort of thing when it comes to a movie. But budget wise, they had 150 million to make this film. Now, uh, if we look at the box office stats, opening weekend it made just over a hundred million, 102 million. It made in the opening weekend, which is just ridiculous. Now, total worldwide total worldwide for this um uh, the box office session total worldwide just shy of 900 million dollars which is ridiculous you know this is big money um domestically um over over there uh, in america 290 million about 32 percent and then uh internationally you've just got uh over uh, 600 million and so uh, you know sort of one third two thirds which is a pretty strong split actually um and uh definitely a great international presence because this was such a well known worldwide sort of phenomenon uh and uh, just fantastic um uh fantastic uh, money maker there um despite omitting all these uh details you got some diehard fans there that uh, will love it regardless um uh, but there we go. Accolades. I mentioned. I mentioned one of them being the uh, the BAFTA Award for Best Production Design, uh, which is sweet. But it also was non uh, nominated for the Academy Award for Best Art Direction. Uh, and then uh, at the uh, the 2016 Choice Awards, the film won the award for uh, Choice Movie Drama. So uh, I don't know if that's quite the accolade of a BAFTA or uh, you know an Academy Award, uh, but a Teen Choice Award. Hey, that's pretty cool. Um, at the 2006 Kids' Choice Awards, the film won the Blimp Award for Favourite Movie, um, which was the only Harry Potter film to do so, which is kind of interesting because we probably would uh, have said otherwise uh, for uh, for our favourite movies there. Yeah, well, that's, that's great, uh, Blake, to uh, run through that for us. And uh, I think it is interesting, the 
I'm definitely surprised about the BAFTA um, part. Mm. I wonder if the other films were nominated. It seems like it'd be right up the alley um, for that, even just for something like best production design, best best music, best makeup, um, because um, I think with with some of the BAFTAs, this film would have a much higher budget than some of the other films that'd be in the in the running for that. Yes. But um, yeah, no, it definitely has some has some notoriety there. Um, Blake, this is something that uh, the more I've looked into this the more impressive this feat is how much time did daniel radcliffe spend underwater okay so so or in the water yeah yeah the uh, the scene when we're dealing with the second task uh is not just you know visual effects and they've got to add the wavy hair and stuff like that like this is daniel radcliffe under the water uh, filming scenes uh, with a in a large tank with a kind of a blue screen wrapped around the side so they could yes compose visual effects in and around it but this is actually uh, Harry in the water now they had to do this in segments of about 9 to 11 seconds per shot so that Harry then could then get oxygen under the water um, by the, the divers in and around him and um, you know there was even a little kind of underwater cave type thing that they built that had oxygen in it and a little screen so that he could see the scene that he just filmed and he could communicate uh, better with the uh, the director and so just fascinating seeing this behind the scenes but um, as a little gift, the uh, the divers gave uh, Radcliffe a book that logged his hours under the water. And over the course of three weeks of filming this scene or these scenes, um, he spent 41 hours and 38 minutes underwater, which is just ridiculous. Uh, mm. it, yeah, it's just like nearly two days worth um, of just being solid underwater and filming these scenes. So I, you know, I think Daniel Radcliffe did such a great job with this. And I, I really did like those scenes. You know, I thought they really got that kind of, uh, you know, moody, uh, dark feeling of that, that lake scene uh, really nicely with some of the other creatures and the designs of the, the mermaids and things like that. Uh, I, I think they did such a great job. So just a special moment there that I have to admit he, he did a great uh, job on. So yeah, pretty special moment there. And what connects in well with that is um, uh, obviously when we when we look at uh, visual effects for these uh, these little movie episodes that we're doing, we like to note some of the great practical and CGI use of effects. And the underwater scene is both obviously CG and practical. For, like I mentioned, you know, both in a water tank as well as a blue screen back there, backlit blue screen as well, and uh, and then created just such great realism uh, with especially with the wavy here and the water and things like that they just did a great job so fantastic cgi and uh, and practical effects there um and uh, uh we've mentioned it but the hungarian horntail that's a solid design like that they did such a great job with that horntail and the dragon like i i re- you know you really felt like it was it was right there. It was real, and uh, you kind of get a, a couple of jump jump scares almost when that tail comes down, nearly hitting Harry when he first comes out into that enclosure. Yeah, no, I I think as much as much hate as we've given parts of this movie, um, <laughs> want to give all the credit where credit is due for the horn tail. They nailed it. Yeah, they nailed that. Um, Voldemort, his CGI nose. This is practical as well. Um, the 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 nose is uh, obviously not practical. That's a that's CGI uh, where they kind of slice his nose off. Um, but uh, Voldemort's like makeup and just yeah, fantastic work there to really bring him to life. So once they got rid of that nose and and a few added a few other little things, that character like Voldemort just phenomenal. Obviously. It, it was not so thick that you could not see, um, you know, Fiennes' performance underneath that, um, which I love, you know, and, and that's where um, sometimes bad CGI of, of old can uh, can cover up an actor's performance and it just ruins it. Mm. So great job there. Um, another practical thing, Mad-Eye Moody's eye, radio controlled by the animatronics department. So uh, pretty, uh, pretty sweet there. So his eye was a, a nice practical thing there. So in case you thought that was CGI, uh, 
it wasn't. But yeah, so so that's you know visual effects, and one of the the CGI visual effects is when we as we come into awards now, and and we've re I've, I've sort of changed up the the way we do these awards is that rather than just throwing out as many points as we we can, I've we've got a hundred points, fifty points, twenty five points, ten points, and five points each to dish out. And so, Josh, do you want to go one by one, or shall I list out my points, or uh, and and then you list out yours? What do you think? uh how about let's go back and forth so, so you go first forth. with 100 points and and you all go straight to 50 because spoiler alert we both gave 100 points to the same uh, <laughs> character there so 100 points i have to give to ralph fines i mean we've talked him up and uh and i feel like our listeners would uh you know definitely uh, expect this is that uh, fantastic so 100 points to ralph fines for his acting for lord voldemort as well as to the makeup and the visual effects department for bringing that character and i just don't think there is a, a problem with it i mean he does such a great job so 100 points there and uh, definitely appreciate that i mean he's got 200 points from both of us josh so uh he's mm. uh, he's definitely he's well. winning Doing well. the character cup or the house cup yeah love it uh 50 points for me uh to rupert grint um consistently the best actor among the big three among the trio mm, um yeah. and i just think he nails the teen awkwardness in this movie he is so unafraid of um of just embracing that and and it comes across so much more real as a result Oh, so true. 50 points from me heading to Framestore, which is a VFX studio that did about over 200 shots um, during this uh, in this film. The underwater sequence, the carriage drawn by those, uh, you know, those seven big Pegasus like creatures um, uh, and even uh, down to uh, uh, the, the the nice quill pen that moves in and around um, with Rita Skeeter. So they, they did a great job with the visual effects So 50 points there. All right, 25 points for me to Brendan Gleeson, uh, the actor who plays Mad-Eye Moody. The thing that we need to remember is that Brendan Gleeson is playing Barty Crouch Jr. playing Mad-Eye Moody. Um, and, and that subtlety there is really good. I don't think the, I don't think the ferret happens, for example, if he's not Barty Crouch playing Mad-Eye Moody. Um, and so this is kind of like Helena Bottom Carter playing Hermione Granger, playing... Playing, um, yes, back and forth. Bellatrix later. Forth. Yeah, very well done. <laughs> I love that. Um, 25 points from me to Stuart Craig, production design. He really does do a great job, and uh, you do feel part of the uh, the wizarding world when you uh, watch this film. Um, uh, even, even with the jarring changes between scenes and things like that, he does a great job. 10 points from me to Jeff Rawl, or Raleigh, not quite sure. Um, he's the actor who plays Amos Diggory. In the books, Amos Diggory comes off kind of a bit of a jerk. Um, not very nice to Harry Potter. Uh, but in the movie, uh, that famous line, my boy is very emotional um, and just comes, ac- comes off looking a lot better. So true. Yeah, so true. My boy. Yeah. <laughs> um, 10 points uh, to, to Daniel Radcliffe for all that underwater work. Mm, I've spoken well on that fantastic um i would have loved it given him more points but uh just fantastic great um great actor there when it comes down to it definitely grew into that position that role uh, really nicely five points from me to the weird sisters uh these were uh, real actual uh british musicians um mm. and i think it shows it uh it's a it was such a surprise the first time i watched it and i was like sorry what's happening now um, the weird <laughs> sisters are a rock group it was i just thought it was great very funny it- it is, and uh, watch the deleted scene where it actually goes on, and uh, they've got a whole oh, set and performance that. and stuff like that. So it's uh, it's definitely worth watching. There, they cut a lot of it, um, and so I don't know. Okay, if a little Good bit hurt by that, but give that a watch, listeners. And my final, my five points. You spoke a little bit about it for Rupert Grint, uh, Ron Weasley for stepping up and dancing with Professor McGonagall. I mean, Rupert Grint does such a great job of, of shock mm. when you know it's uh, and uh, my my waist, Weasley put. Put your hand on my waist. And, and Ron's kind of just like, oh, well, you know, and it's just yeah. a wonderful moment. So he does a great job as well yeah. as many of the actors do. Yeah. And uh, and it really comes together to be just such a wonderful uh, film. We know we uh, uh, we both uh, maybe don't like it as much as the other ones, um, but it still is a fun film. It's still a fun uh, watch. Uh, there are some scenes, obviously, <laughs> Dumbledore, aggressive, uh, that come out a little bit strong and uh, we wish we could change or add some better scenes in but otherwise thank you for listening to today's episode to support the podcast keep the magic alive you can leave a rating or review on apple Podcasts. you can support us financially at www.buymeacoffee.com 
forward slash pod. That's forward slash pod. And to send us questions on our Instagram, email or website, mufflyautopodcast.com. To continue the adventure, join us next time on Muffliato, a Harry Potter podcast.